This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. It was the best time of our lives. Getting money was all we ever did. Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. Today I have with me Scott Mannion. Welcome, Scott. Hello. Hi. So Scott has um, one of the more fascinating YouTube channels. Um, and it's just at Scott Mannion, but we'll get into what the green, what Greenwood is, which is a, a project of yours. We'll start to talk about that. Um, but I, in trying to encapsulate your perspective, um, I think that our crossover happens because you're, what I would call like a symbologist or, and yeah. somebody who is hypersensitive and hyper attuned to the meaning and the purpose behind the symbols of mm. culture and particularly English Anglo culture. Mm. And I don't want to use the word commonwealth because we include mm. America and I believe America is not a commonwealth country, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> but still, it is, I would say it's an Anglo Saxon country. It is an Anglo Saxon country. We don't have to. Yeah. Right. So, so sort of the Anglo, um, you talk about Robin Hood, you talk about the king of England, you talk about, um, a, a lot of these myths and symbols and legends that are in the Anglo Saxon tradition. Yeah. So, um, one of your more recent videos, let's start with that. Um, it is about the ritual around the burial of the queen. Yeah. And you're going through the regalia and you've written this beautiful essay, actually, that, that is both on Substack and it's a video essay. And yeah. it's like a, I, I've really never seen anything like it because it's like a combination between really deep cultural analysis mm. and poetry, kind of, because mm. it's very mm. poetic mm. and you're talking about, mm. you know, you have this wind and where your viewpoint is going. It's incredibly mm. unique. So. I guess um maybe just talk about this this more recent video that um mm. it's titled Number 28 Charles is not king who is the funeral's true meaning on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, the thing about that essay and video it's trying to get you into this perspective of what this national organism really is. It's not one individual, it's something that's that's higher order. It's using this and the the ceremony is that. It's it opens something to you when you just watch the funeral ceremony and without BBC commentary, when you just let it open to you, that's what it discloses is what's in the article. So what I've done in that essay and in the video is what I saw is what opened to me when I watched it without gay commentary. I don't know if I can say this on this yeah. gay commentary, BBC, whatever, without these, this just terrible uh, propaganda on top of it. That's what open because that's what these rituals function is. It's part of a wider organism, which I call the overking, right? Which is what a true nation really has at its top, which is a, a part of a, a compilation of 
the a pan, pantheon of our greatest heroes makes up this value hierarchy, which is why you see thousands of Englishmen turning up to this to wait at the, the, state, the, the, the state showing of the, the coffin, which you see in the video. Why do they all turn up there? What drives them underneath? What's pulling that? Something ancient. Because on top of everything that we are, we've got this neoliberal propaganda layer, which is foisted upon us. It's, that's propositional, right? When something's propositional, it means logic gates. It means the, the articulate language. But we're not just articulate language. We are our procedural hierarchy, which is our enacted behavior. We are perspectival knowledge. This is all cognitive science here. It's not woo I'm talking about here. We are, what makes us up is the perspectival knowledge, procedural knowledge, and participatory knowledge, which is underneath all that. That stuff survives no matter what the neoliberal or progressive propaganda puts us on top. Yes, they can get to people, but, but underneath, deeply underneath, the things that we share in common that makes up our uh, ethnic soul underneath, that is what generates it, and that survives. And I call it, it's, you could call it, if you were someone that watches Jonathan Pajot, England's angel, you could call it this. Um, I think that extends to America personally. It's not everyone in America, but I think that, that it, it extends over there. And I've got that in my comments. I see it, Americans all the time. I don't know if I shared a comment to you on it. It was a person saying, I'm an American, but this made me cry. So I was like, what the hell? Why are Americans watching this? <laughs> right? What? That makes no sense. So someone that I think is deeply connected to that. And you can see this. Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. No, go, go. I was just going to say, you can see this in, in uh, Virginia. Is that originally people in the revolution, the American revolution, people were... Uh, they lobbied the king to say, you rule us, you rule us, not this degenerate elite in parliament. It was never the king. That was just the propaganda later on that had to say, oh, well, we don't have kings. America is more kingly with their president than England is in terms of actual proper rule, like really right. uh, yeah. executive <laughs> orders, right? <laughs> uh, they are way more uh, uh, top down, right? In that sense. So, but these Virginians, they, they, they pushed that. They were saying, you rule us, king. Not this guy. And that's the truth of it, is that it was that parliament group. But the Virginians in America, they, they get it. There's a book about this uh, that talks about it. Yeah. I can't remember what it, what it is. I think Sorry. you're, th that's okay. exactly what I was going to ask you. I think you're talking about Albion Seed. Yeah. Oh, that's a it, great book. Albion Seed's excellent it, it, to show what, what, where it comes from. Yeah. Well, so what in Albion Seed, which I have not read, but I had, um, you know, Bennett's phylactery on here, and he has a great episode about Albion Seed. And it's about the four British folkways that made America what it is. Yeah. And one of those folkways is the Cavaliers. And yes. the Cavaliers, I think, began in Virginia. Yeah. And then I guess we would assume they made it to Ohio. But the Cavaliers, the difference between them, um, the other groups are the Puritans, the um, Quakers, and then the borderland people, like the border yeah. weavers yeah. who are like the Scots-Irish that became like, you know, the South. Or the, you know, the, like the mountain people, the red, the red. Well, I would say, no, that group's actually Anglo because it's lowland Scots and it's uh, Northern Irish, which are essentially Anglo plantation or Calvinists from Scotland who are lowland Scots who are essentially, they're not Highlanders. They're not Celts. That's the important thing. They're not Celts. They're not Celts, okay, yeah, not yeah, Highlanders, yeah. which means they're basically Anglos. They always spoke English. So yeah. Just, They're basically yeah. Anglo by blood. Right. So he, but the Cavaliers are the Virginian group and he talks mm. about in Albion Seed how they're obsessed with hierarchy. They're obsessed yeah. with like uh, alpha hierarchy and they're yeah. trying to bring that over. So it's funny that the Virginians 
were the ones that were the wanted the king because it seems like that might be a direct descendant from the cavaliers whatever that means i don't even really know what cavalier means but i you know well yeah cavalier is the guys that were on the side of not the puritans in the english civil war so that means the right. guys that were on on behalf of tradition. Oh, okay, right? got it. They, used to, walk, they used to walk around with swords uh, yeah, everywhere, right. like samurai. These Virginians were so chads. They should yeah. be who was ruling America, not who is now, right? Instead, they chads. lost out to those damn Puritans. And the Puritans, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Puritans got their way. And the Puritans are basically the precursor to the you know effective altruists of today. They're these like... Yeah. There's yeah. the utilitarians like who are yeah. insane and completely crazy, right? Yeah, and the and it really, when you read that book, it explains Trump all of it because he's essentially yeah. he's a Scot, which means yeah. he's a borderlander, right? Right, right he's right. a borderlander in his attitude because his mother is Scot, is a Scot, and, and German. He's half German. He's got to be German, right? Half at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah genetically yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah. But but in terms of his attitude, he's very borderlander. So all and you can see this in that person that wrote the book called uh, what was it, Hillbilly, whatever. Yeah. Hillbilly oh, Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. Who's now yeah, a yeah, senator? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, right. J.D. Vance. He won. He right. won. The, he's or he, he's either a senator or a congress. No, I think he's a senator. I think he's now the senator from Ohio. Yeah. Wow. Well, hopefully yeah. he gets what the borderlands truly are, because yeah, and that's the truth. Is it's seeded and it's deeply embedded. And these are—they're rough people, but there's their roughness is very grounded in a kind of back to Anglo-Saxon mythos. Like, uh, these people are more ang- uh, Anglo-Saxon, more Viking-ish in their way of behavior. But that doesn't mean they're just savages, that they're just uncult. It's just this, their way of being is, is, isn't articulate, but it's old. So I think that needs to be understood as well, even though it's, it seems chaotic. It's, it's, more, it's just more of a savage way of being. But that's, we need those guys. They're the guys you sent, that got sent out to the corners of the empire. Those guys are the ones that will not crumble in the face of, of, uh, of uh, overwhelming odds, right? So I think that there's a great potential in North England and you could say in Appalachia, there's strong people yeah. in that region for us. Yeah. to. And it's the same out. region, right? It's the same, like that's, that's was, it was that border region of England, Ireland, Scotland mm. that was supplanted to the border lands here. And they were really the ones who were, they were in the frontier against the Indians yeah. more than anybody. And uh, they became I think there was also a murder made podcast about how those people became like the West Virginia coal miners later on. Yeah. It's all that same group of, of Scots Irish. And they're the first ones to ever call themselves American. Like everybody else in those days all would right. say British, like on your, on your, you yeah, know, yeah. survey or whatever, on your census. Whereas they were like, I'm American because they wanted nothing to do. They were like, this is what we are first and foremost. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and also yeah. English too, because they actually rescued the folk tradition. I just have to piss real quick. Is that possible? Oh yeah, yeah no, no, go, 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 right. go. And I can, I can cut it together for you or something. No, it's fine. I'll just uh, let me. I don't know. I'll talk about something, or I'll, I can cut it. It's totally fine. It's totally right, fine. I got to edit anyway. Um, yeah. So here, let me just. I'm going to play a quick uh, clip from so you can get a sense of. Oops, this okay. is an ad. Sorry. Um, yeah, these these essays are really uh, something special. They're 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 very interesting. He's got this um, thing here where we notice this cascading sway. Does it not look like an organism? English organism. 
This is kind of like the procession of the priests and church that goes up down the aisle and out, up the middle of the people. This is a dwelling of the people and the being of the people. What is it? Brother, who is it? Nothing in this funeral march is utilitarian. These uniforms take months to make. Many of them are already old, continuously repaired. Carefully made. Okay, okay. I was just <laughs> playing, playing with clips uh, so people can understand what we're we're talking about here but um yeah no so so this funeral some of these symbols in the funeral i I think it's really interesting to think about the why you asked a very great question at the beginning it's a very interesting question which was what makes people do these things why why do they all show up wearing these specific outfits to this specific Mm. place What, what is the reason that they're doing it but you also have another moment in this video where you you hit you're kind of setting this all up and you're setting the up the encroachment of the global technocratic yeah. force which is here to kind of undermine the roots undermine mm. the soul of the english people the biology of it mm. and there's this shot of windsor mm. is it palace i don't know it's of, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Buckingham, Buckingham palace, Buckingham palace yeah. sorry of what is windsor Windsor's a awesome. castle, yeah. But you'd, no, you could probably find the same thing. That's where it ended. That's where all they were. That's where it ends. That castle, right, sorry. Yeah. It, it goes out to Windsor. Okay. So it's at Buckingham Palace, which obviously I, yeah. I know what that is. I'm, I'm not that, uh, you know, not British. But, um, and Buckingham Palace is this green space mm. that comes mm. from the countryside and yeah. is this English thing. And, you know, I've been to England and Ireland. I've never felt more at home in my life than in yeah. London and particularly Dublin. And yeah. I'm not Irish. I mean, I'm like yeah. a little part of Irish, but it's something about the green, the green space. Mm. It's a very like uh, ethnic memory. And then um you have the city, though, this ugly city yes. encroaching upon Buckingham Palace, right? Yeah. And then there's also, and another one of your videos, you show the... Is it the 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 castle of Edinburgh of Edinburgh? Yeah. What is it? Is that the castle? But it's this like modernist monstrosity that's like hideous. Oh, the parliament! Yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, the, the parliament building. The Scottish the, parliament. Yeah, the Scottish yeah. parliament is horrible. It just looks so hideous from above. Mm. But so my question is, what yeah. are the forces? If if there's this, what are, what is the difference between the force that is driving this mm. group of people to? come to this funeral, to wear this regalia, to become this like organism, as you call it. And it's actually perfect. We just watched this clip. Um, what is the difference between that force and then the force that's bringing the technocratic city mm. over the top to, to yeah. uh, take over? One is what I would call a propositional parasite, which okay. is what it sees the world in only one way. It's mostly in mostly in again as propositional knowledge which means what we're speaking today language only not perspective not procedural it's not deeply nested it's a sort of surface thing and you can and you see with that what i would call the scottish parliament and the encroaching buildings which now are towering over buckingham palace they're higher you see them these monstrosities they're raising they can almost look into the window of the the monarch right this thing that's holding them back this this bubble in the middle of london they are expressions, expressions as an external press, external press of this parasite, right? This, this wider thing. And you, the Buckingham Palace is an older one. They are also an expression 
express of something that's ancestral, something that is deeply hierarchical, that is not utilitarian. So you can see in this expression of this technocrat, just look at it. What does it look like? What's its attunement? You can work these things out. Okay, it's just utility, isn't it? So whatever drives this thing just wants to, to, it's something in order to do something else. It's like uh, instrumental. It's a building to house people to do something else, right? Like an office building. It's not, it doesn't have something in it that is valued for its own sake. Whereas you look at Buckingham Palace or you look at the ceremonies, these cost outrageous amounts of money, don't they? And you have to ask yourself, why is it done? Why is it done? Because there's something in us that demands it be done. And even in America, there's the tomb of the, un, the, tomb of the unknown, unknown soldier. soldier. Yeah. I don't know if that's the American one, but you've always is, got yeah. people there guarding it, right? Yes. Yeah. costs yeah. a lot of money. Why do yeah. you do such things? Because there's some, okay, at least there's a bit of that in America where this is, a lot of money is paid for such a thing. It's not instrumental. It's something left over for, for its own sake. And this begins with God. It begins with, I guess, the thing that causes how reality manifests this fall is the gods or the teleology. There's the forms, there's the material, and uh, something else like the efficiency, uh, the way it's brought together. Men, how we... We aren't the things that manifest the things we make. It's not just men, but the way we currently see the world is as if we manifest everything, as if we are responsible for how being shows itself to us, right? That's sort of will to power. That's Nietzschean, is that everything is an expansion of what we, we are. It's not attributed to something outside of its beings. It's not being itself underneath it. That old way, the traditional way, is it's something beyond being. That, 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 that's something valued in itself that holds fast. And you can see that in the way, when you start to understand it better and better, you see it manifesting. It makes sense. The way the expressions, what's pressed is externally. You see the patterns when you do this sort of symbolic understanding. And Jonathan Padgett is a great person to look at to understand this sort of thing. But that's the difference, I think, between them. One is the utilitarian material. One is the something that has hierarchy, ancestral being, and God uh, in its value, wrapped up in it. But is one, so why do you use the word proposition for, for the one? Why, why, where does that come from? Because I, I, at first I was thinking proposition means economic, but that's not what you're saying. No, it, proposition is simply uh, uh, reason as logos. It's, it's stringing a sentence together as language. But there are yeah. other forms of knowledge other than yes, that, I, I which, see what su- which survive, uh, which survive, which do survive for a lot longer. They take a while longer to decay, right? Yeah. So think about French Revolution. Their, their reason was all propositional. It was all very, yeah, it's all we've reason. We've got the Bill of Rights on the piece of paper. <laughs> it explains everything that is America, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Americans aren't the Bill of the Bill of uh, the Constitution. Yeah. No. What's, what really is the Constitution? It's the being underneath. It's the, and that's generated by... Because propositional is nested on top of procedural knowing or knowledge. It's cognitive science here. It's, and this is what selects that, right? But we used to think in the Enlightenment age, oh, it's just reason. We can work all this out and capture the whole of reality. This is Hegel, yeah. right? Yeah. So we can capture yeah. all of reality in propositional. We can know it all as a proposition in our brain. But obviously now we realize that's not the case. So well, you're, 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 yeah, definitely. But it's, it's the, the, as an American, it's actually really funny as an American, because in America, we're doing it in reverse. 
we're taking the constitution and then the propositional, as you're calling it, knowledge. We're trying to make that the deeper levels of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. We're, 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 Americans are taught literally that we mm-hmm. taught, we're taught that these rationalists who made our country, the document that they made is our yeah. tradition also. <laughs> it, it, like, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. is our, like, we, the Constitution is like part of us, you know, like mm-hmm. people hand out pocket constitutions. We, and when we are mm-hmm. in school, we all have a mm-hmm. constitution class. I'm sure there's no like British constitution class for it. Mm. I mean, they, there is a constitution now, right? Of England? No, it's procedure. It's sort of, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's precedent, they call it, but it's, it's, yeah, not, it's, it's some, people have written it down, but they would, people would quote Magna Carta, but that's the very last right. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That happens after mythos, after right. all these things bubble up from yeah. our people, just their way of being. And the, the founding fathers have that way of being, right? Even some yeah. of the Federalists recognized it. They said, perhaps we shouldn't draft all these rights because they're self-evident. What yes, does self-evident sir. mean? <laughs> self-evident means it's in procedural. Well, they, well, why are we saying it? It's self-evident. Why are we yeah. it you, it's not self-evident to an African <laughs> tribal person, is it? It's only self-evident to the founding fathers because they have it. They call themselves as Englishmen because they were Anglo-Saxon in their being, and that's been degenerated. Yeah, right. You can't even say Anglo-Saxon anymore. People say it in politics, and they get, uh, you know, they get attacked by the media or whatever. And people might say on our side it's impractical to say, to, to, uh, say such things. But um, and, You know, I've been looking for this quote for so long that I read somewhere at some point, and I cannot find it, maybe because it's been scrubbed from the Internet. But at some point, Teddy Roosevelt, talked about the anglo-saxons man's like thirst for blood like yeah. I, there's some quote when he's trying to set up his war because you know he went out looking for wars you know the whole rough yeah, riders thing, yeah, that yeah. and in his presidency and everything he went out searching for conflict mm, yeah. and he says that this is like part of the anglo-saxon blood at some point yeah. but i can't yeah. find it anymore and uh, i no, i mean i think it's it's completely true it's just so, you know, how did the Anglo-Saxons become the Anglo-Saxons? Because they, 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 uh, you know, I am half. Um, we are a hyphenates. We're hyphenates already. I mean, Anglo-Saxons already a hyphenate. So like, how did, how did the Anglo-Saxons come to be? And why, why did that? I guess the, the larger question is how does a, uh, a, a people coalesce? Well, I guess you could call it an emergent phenomenon. And you could track this to a you could track this to a geography in the sense that you're going over to an island, and this is why there is a point where you must say, "Oh, that's a people there," or else you could just go, "Well, hang on, even the Saxons and the Anglo's weren't this; they were something else when they migrated to Germany when they get you to see." But but the best way to think right. about this is right. a dynamic system as a dynamic system, right? In emergence theory, you can think you can think about it like this. A dynamo is a generator that has three different generators hooked up to a series of belts. They're all connected together. When you hook them all up together, when one speeds up too fast, because the belts are all put together in this dynamo, this, they regulate each other. So what happens? You have a higher order thing, this virtual engine that, that moderates it, right? It's an emergent thing. But in this sense, we construct it ourselves. But that's what happens in nature. You have these emergent systems up a level and they become they're established and then when things enter the hierarchy or the social sphere or whatever 
it self-regulates what it is. It, it, it is. And this is not propositionally. It just, it, it's established its rules and its order. And there's certain uh, requirements for that, for that emergent phenomena. It's not the sum of its parts, though. It's not the sum of its parts. And you can determine that when you really look at something. You look at England, you've got an island, it's a new place. Its borders rarely ever change compared to the continent. It's something that just has this established thing over a long period of time. I think you can certainly make the case. That, okay, emergent people. So you say Anglo-Saxon, but just it's just, yeah, Anglo-Saxon's one thing. It's the English. Um, it, it's the new people. There's enough things you can string together to say, yeah, this is a dynamo. This is the dynamo. This is this emergent system from where they came from. They're not where they came from. I think you could really cut it off as a sort of epoch thing. Okay, thousand years, funk. That's a people. Yeah, that's a right? people. Well, but because what happened to the Britons, though? Aren't the Brit? Are, what are the Britons? The Britons are basically the Welsh in the set. Yeah. They were there in that region, and they're Celts and then, or no? Are they? Celts? They're Celts. They they're are Celts. Celts. And okay. they got pushed they're, over to the yeah. far corner, right? Yeah. But the Welsh yeah. have always sort of been connected with the English anyway. They never had a separate kingdom, so this Welsh nationalism is kind of silly in a way. It's always been united, but I'm not really promoting union of that anyway. Um, you could even say the CIA and that uh, Gladio nationalism promoted the disunion of the United Kingdom, by the way, post-1945, these degenerates in, in the CIA. But even so, I think England should just push what it is. So, uh, why hope to hold the kingdom together? Anyway, long story short, uh, yes, the Britons are that and they're Celtic. So there is a Celticness to all of that. But they also get very influenced by this Englishness. Like, so there is a sort of... And you could use a vola here. You could say it's a soul. They get possessed by an English soul over time. Certainly the Lowland Scots do, no matter what they say. Carlyle recognized this. He calls himself an Englishman, even though he's a Lowland Scot. So, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. It's a lot, that if you're a Highlander and a full-on Welsh, I don't know, the coast of Wales or a really southern Irishman, then you could call yourself a Celt, I suppose. But you, Heidegger says language is the house of being. You speak English. I don't think that's what makes an Englishman just your language, but it's a big, a big part of it. It's the procedural. It's like I mentioned earlier, the thing underneath that makes a people that can decay over time. That that way of being it does last a long time. It takes a while to propagandize out of someone, but it's rest in potential. So you can make someone woke, but I think underneath, if you've got someone that has a, is a I don't know, six generational American. They've still got the procedures underneath to a, degree, to a degree, which can be reawakened. If you can clear the semblance on top of it, which is really our mission and sort of your mission as, yeah. as the disgraced propagandists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it, it is funny, though, that America is built to deny the things you're saying. And, mm. and it's, it's built to, it's built in such a way because it, it is the the triumph of rationalism. I, I said this in another on Astral's podcast with Lomez recently. It's like um, the triumph of the thousand years of rationalism of utilitarianism is America, right? It, it's the American Constitution. That basically, those guys you read the you read John Adams's letters. You read uh, these guys spoke five languages each. They were quoting, you know, it's like reading these letters. It's like reading letters amongst us today. It's funny, like amongst us, like crazy, you know, like uh, people who read a ton of philosophy. It's like they're citing the crazy, you know, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams are just writing each other letters and they're just throwing off 
really deep philosophical references, you know, like 30 page letters just every day. And they're also communicating with the King of England at the time. And the King of England's kind of like, look, I get it. You know, like they're all kind of like uh, these really, really hyper educated rationalist guys. And the thing they created is basically the product of, of the philosophy of all these many years of, of uh, rationalist thought. And then Nietzsche comes around and kind of destroys all of it at the perfect time, you know, and says like, oh, you guys are all wrong. Everything you're saying is all actually rooted in in something very different than what you're saying it is. Um, and that kind of like brings us to today, you know, it, and and so the thing that's difficult for Americans, just to return to your point, is that England, English people, when I'm watching the video and we see this procession and that lower levels of knowledge, not maybe not lower, just different levels of knowledge, um, that's built in and it's cherished and it's loved by, by the people of England. Whereas Americans, we're really taught that there is no, we're essentially taught that there is no Americanness. Right. It's like, what is yeah. Americanness? Like for us, it's like, oh, football, you know, mm. like uh, hot dogs, you know, like that's that's Americanness. Mm. And and that's why Americans are always so confused about the English people's love of the queen, because we're like, well, what? Why? You know? Yeah. Well, we all we're all told the same thing. We've got to recognize that because of the globalized world and the system is that we're all in the modern mindset. It just happens to be that ceremony is accepted as being English. So it's allowed to be participated in. So yeah. We're no worse. You're no really you're only worse off in the sense of the surface layer of the propaganda. I, I, it just Yes, there is a history in England you, you, that there is a king there, but still. We're educated in the same. We're watching the same TV. We're all modernists. We're, we're all postmodernists. We're all we're all in that scenario, right? So, when I look at it, what we need is a new hermeneutic because you can look back into the past. When I did analysis on um, George Washington, I don't find Jefferson that they're very great rationalists, interesting people, and whatnot. But when you look at Washington, there's something boring about elements of his thought, whatever. But no, what's interesting about him is his way of being. Again, it's this thing underneath the proposition. So, oh, he's a farmer. Where's his name come from? Washington, land of the wheat sheaves, that means. It's from mm. northern England and the borderlands. His father was an Anglican pastor. His father, they went to Virginia, right? And they became this. So when you get a sense of where he's nested underneath the right. propositional yeah. layer, you go, oh, what's this way of being really? What's driving all these things that come up? Uh, and you can see with America, and you, again, you look into these things, even Jefferson talking about the yeoman. What is the yeoman? Why did he why did he come up as something that Jefferson believed that we should be a nation of yeoman? What is that? What does that mean? What that means is this kind of what Evola talked about when he mentioned the Frankish Empire didn't need top-down governance. It was the, the lords themselves had the empire within because it had the procedures within, right? What happens in... And the soul of it, the soul of the Frankia. So they didn't need the government like we have now. We don't need a top-down government to tell you how to behave because you just have it as part of your being and you spread it decentralized. What happened in England is this yeoman warrior class emerges when the king says, I need every able-bodied man in England to train with a longbow, everyone. And this doesn't happen anywhere else. This is just in England because it was a lack of uh, 
professional armies, right? So they all did. They went over to France to fight the wars, and they're imitating the king, right? So they're getting a sense of the soul. Is is that they're imitating it? That's how you get a soul. Is it's imitation? It's that's you get it from the aristocrats, right? It starts with the aristocrats. The king, the king is supposed to be that force of mm. you're supposed to imitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what the Frankish kingdoms had, the lords, the, the English get with the yeoman, and then the Americans get with the yeoman. But what got forgotten was that it, it, it's a way of being. You need some figurehead to help keep having people imitate that. It's that the yeoman freeholder is someone that has the empire in his being. He doesn't need as much government. But we thought that it was just this thing on a piece of paper that, that oh, it's because the Constitution says it. No, it's because the Constitution is this. It's mm-hmm. this. Yeah. That's what a Constitution is. It's embodied. Right. And we all had that as a problem. It's just lucky that we were actually, the Anglo-Saxons are very conservative. It's, the, it's this thing on top that, yes, we produce people like Locke and these liberals, but we were the greatest resistance to it at the same time. This is Edmund Burke. Actually, naturally, they're very uh, conservative and uh, right-wing and want to go back to that thing. It's just the thing that comes over the top. So I think with an American, it's if we can get past, because we've got a lot of people are saying, that, oh, we have to all look back to as, as pan-Europeans to Greece. And I love that stuff, right? I love reading about Greek philosophers and all that. We do have to remember, okay, America grounded in a people. I think it will help to understand that. What's the soul of America? Just because you can't win everyone over to Ang- this Anglo, old Anglo-Saxonness. And I mean that uh, against Locke and all that. I'm throwing all that away, but with Anglo-Saxonness, right? You should still be it, right? If you want to be what this thing is, surely that's going to help, I think. Bring people around to understand the truth, clear the semblance of what it really is. Because a lot of people think practical reality. Oh, well, it's impractical to say we're Anglo-Saxon to articulate these <laughs> being, right? We just want to win. We just want to win. Okay. Yeah. But is that, where are you going to go? Where's the true vision, a people's vision? Are you, are you ever going to be a people? Because a true people is that sort of ethnic soul. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't have that soul. Because even Vola talked about, you have an Ashk who has a uh, Hyperborean soul, right? So yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's not, yeah, anyway. Yeah. What do you think of that? Okay, so then how do we, um, I mean, it seems like you're, you're spoiling for a fight. So how do we make this happen? How do we, how do we return? Is it, is it return? Is it exit? Is this something new that we need to build into the world? You know, how do we defeat this thing that wants us to be rootless? I think it's finding the ground, right? Cause you do emerge from a ground. I do think it's still in the uh, procedural memory, if you want to call it that. Uh, could be genetic, genetics, people talk about genetic, whatever. It's still in the, it's still there. So if you can articulate what the truth is, it will draw people to your cause because you align their propositional understanding with their procedural understanding. And their, which is, that's what creates so much mental illness is that our propositional understanding is separated from what we actually are and our authentic Wait, being. Wait, so give me an example of that. Give me an example of our propositional uh, being divided. Well, you can think about Jordan Peterson. I think he was articulating a lot of things, at least in a general way, that were true to what people felt uh, was true about men and women. And so he would, you probably watched him and went, oh, yeah, that's true. And, he, and I've had this reported as well, is that people would say in the audience, you're telling me something that I already knew. I felt that I already knew, but couldn't find the words to articulate. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And Peterson did that. But you can also do that for a sort of national soul. So there's multiple layers to this, this thing. There's a particular people. But there are also, as a general human, you've got 
certain ways of being and understanding that are deeply in your biology, right? That's what, so Peterson aligned your propositional understanding to your actual biology. I'm talking about aligning your national soul uh, to your propositional understanding. Yeah. 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 No, that does make sense. I see what you're saying. Like telling people something that they somehow know deep down. Do you think that yeah. Trump did that? Yes. In certain ways he did. Yes. And, and, uh, and, and he was, well, yeah, of course he's clearing the semblance and saying that they feel something's wrong. Is that all the bullshit that people get a sense that at least over time, he's articulating what they uh, feel on a deeper layer, giving a, even if it's not perfectly, um, he, right. he did that with the, all the stuff that he brought up. But even he's, what he's saying is, is a deep uh, wounding of the multiculturalism, which this puts on everyone. We're all dealing with this now. It's this idea of tearing apart this thing that, that was, this thing that was, this ubiquity of who we are. Um, people recognize that that's a deep wound. It's just importing all these... Uh, the idea in Los Angeles, oh, oh we're going to suddenly have signs that have uh, Spanish on them? No. What? <laughs> wow. America, America yeah. used to say in Louisiana, they, said they used to, there were chads in Louisiana, you speak English, Frenchman. <laughs> they forced them to do it. But anyway, those times have changed, right? And Teddy Roosevelt's a good example of this, is that he said enough, that get rid of this double-barreled American, not this Italian-American, not this Ashk-American. Just yeah. an American, or I would say yeah. Anglo-Saxon, whatever. Get rid yeah. of the double. But he said the double-barreledness is going to kill us, and it is, and it, or it has. Yeah, uh, I love him. No, yeah. I think you're right. Uh, no, no, I mean, I'm I completely agree. We should all be Americans. It's just we have this unique difficulty, uh, and yeah. and the, the unique difficulty is built into. It's built into the history and to all these things that we learn and that we know and that what America really is, you know, mm. it's 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 built into that. And now it's sort of become our worst nightmare in a way. You know, it's it's it, what started out as knowledge that was self-evident. Mm has been used and warped and flipped and used against us to totally balkanize mm. us into these mixed groups and half groups. And you're this and you're this group and, you know, and, and really completely uproot everything that had uh, been there before. You know, mm. um, I remember there was a moment in uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign where she restructured her whole website so that on the bottom of the website, it was like, uh, you know, uh, Pacific Islanders for Hillary, Lebanese for Hillary, <laughs> you know, like LGBTQ yeah. for Hillary, uh, you know, every little micro group, you know, blah, 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 for Hillary. And that was her whole thing was just like, mm. let's get these. And you're saying that that's kind of the exact opposite, but mm. there, Americans are weak in that way for a reason. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're susceptible to that for some yeah. reason. And it has to do with, probably the Puritans winning, you know, and, and then it, it having be that the country's really a land of the free where you're supposed to be able to practice whatever crazy thing you want to practice. Right. You know, and it's supposed to be allowed for everybody. It's not, you know, there is no um, church and state, right. We're the original, we separate church and say, we do not believe that's, that's one of the, the most fun foundational principles that we learn is never mix church and state. Yeah. 
I wonder if they actually meant all these other religions when they did that. <laughs> yeah. They probably just meant Christianity, right? Yeah, yeah. They didn't mean Islam. They didn't mean Hinduism. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah, right. They meant all these, probably, I don't know, I haven't analyzed this, but my guess would be they're talking about different sects of Christianity. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But, 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 <laughs> but yeah, look, that's the problem. We're all facing the same thing in a way with the multiculturalism. We're all under attack by it. Yeah, but, I mean, there are people. Bo- people are just because you're born in America doesn't mean you're American. Right. That's what oh. I would say. You know, totally. Yeah, no. but, but and, people push this idea. Oh, you're American. No, you're not. Your procedures aren't American. Yeah. Right. But everyone wants to have this coalition to to win that. But it's just not the truth. It's just not the truth. So what do we want to do? Do we want to tell the truth, or we just want to be the people that are just uh, just trying to win, or just I don't know. Maybe there's a mix of those two things, but I tend to think the truth will rally uh, sort of energy and force because Trump sort of hit on truths and that rallied energy to him. There's still time to do that before the majority shift. But uh, at least you could, I don't know, people fleeing to certain states. That's a good idea. People where more actual real Americans are. All I can say is that when I came there I, and we made friends with conservative groups that are all very obviously Anglo-Saxon in their way of being, I thought these aren't different to me. These are just Anglos. These are just Englishmen, right? They're in their way of being, we've just been sold this. The modern nation isn't a real nation. It's the modernist uh, view. It's connected to a soul, right? Or else, or it's nothing. I think we got yeah. gamed by elites on both sides, from Westminster, who gamed us both against the king and underneath the king, gamed us against the true hierarchy. Americans got gamed by their elites as well for their own purposes and international dominance. And they're just doing things that are not in your interests and haven't been for thousands, you know, not thousands, hundreds of years. But what do you do with that? That's the question. Okay. Do we tell the truth? Does that help? I think I've articulated some reasons why that might, might, or do we just do pan-Europeanism and just try to push, I don't know. It might be semblance, but just to win. I don't know. Yeah. I lean on truth. And, uh, as an ad man, I mean, what do you think about that? Because we were sort of talking before we started the show yeah. is that what yeah. should a true ad man be? Should he be someone that aligns companies to the, what the good? Because you need a, the good for a nation to be. And the, if you take the good to be historical, at least in the, take, the case of a people, that means it's traditional, it's ancestral. That's where the good comes from and the, where the hierarchy is. Should that, and, and you see in the British, uh, in the English uh, history, is that what a royal warrant is? The, the king sees something out in, and the Prince of Wales and the other royals who see something out in what's being made. And you see this in English country wear, like barber, barber jackets, and you might think Ralph Lauren looks sort of like some of that stuff. But they see that and they lift it up and they give it a royal warrant because the company has something that aligns with this hierarchy. Right? So maybe that's what an ad man should be, at least a right wing ad man. Is that someone who aligns companies to what the true value of what they should be or helps them rather than just hocks their wares? So let me just understand exactly what you're saying. So in the Ralph Lauren example, you're saying Barber is a type of fabric, right? Barber is a, a English brand who make uh, oh, waterproof Barber. Gu- Barber, yeah. yeah, who make waterproof. Yeah. You would have seen this sort of olive green. And they're yeah. oiled cloths. Okay. If you've, okay, wa- okay. If you've watched that um, Succession yeah. series, yeah. you know mm-hmm. when they go hunting, they're all wearing this sort of uh, bar- uh, green clothy thing. That's a barber. That's right? a barber jacket. So okay. the king, the king gives a warrant out to a company 
they, this has always been the case. It's the king always lifts up what is low and makes it high because it's something of that, that he sees in the moral order and the hierarchy. It comes before him. It's in the mythos, right? Robin Hood, King Arthur, Christianity, all these things. He recognizes it and lifts it to its proper position. And so that becomes a kind of advertisement. And they list the royal warrant. They have the seal of, of the king or the Prince of Wales on their branding. So you have a Coca-Cola. You'll see this in England. You have a little, uh, the symbol will be there. And why, do, why does Coca-Cola, whoever is the royal supplier, put it on the can? Because obviously that royal seal has an effect on the people, doesn't it? Yeah, just like the, now, there's, now there's a kosher symbol on all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like, no, sort but, of like uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but what are you saying exactly about the role of the ad then? Because I'm, so you're saying that it's their, our job to lift, uh, is, yeah, explain one more time what you mean by, by well, I don't know exactly. I'm, the hierarchy into the. I'm trying, well, I'm, I'm riffing off your article that was saying that, that the problem with ad men is they've all been aligned with this trend and that's why they became woke because they're pathetic and that they're these 50 year old yeah, hyped ads, right? Because yeah. they don't have anything of their own. And so what are we talking about there? They don't have any soul that has a, a sacred that they hold to as the highest value. Because what are you doing with ads? That's, you're, you're saying this is of value, buy it. And we see things as that we have in our unconscious, let's say, when I say value hierarchy, this is a better way to articulate. In our unconscious, there is a hierarchy of value. It starts, there's the sacred, and then it goes down. There's the instrumental values. It's the moral values. What that means is, is that when something manifests or something comes to us, we are naturally impelled towards it. We go, I want that. You know that feeling you get when you want something? You don't say I want it, but you're drawn towards it. They're value attractors. That's in your unconscious. So, and that's what the king does. They recognize something that's in the hierarchy because they know it so well. They studied it. And that hierarchy is, in essence, what I talked about earlier, the overking. That's the distributed cognition. It's in the unconscious. There's this hierarchy of our... Uh, most valued way of behaving, our most, uh, and that's created by our greatest heroes, who we imitate. So does that make sense? Is that that's how the system forms in the unconscious? So the ad man is trying to sell you on something to try game your unconscious to go, I want that. So shouldn't the ad man be, okay, rather than hawking stuff that isn't truly of the hierarchy, shouldn't I help this company actually align with it? But how would we know what is of the hierarchy and what isn't of the hierarchy? You, you know aren't ad men aren't ad men like deep psychologists? Aren't all of them educated in psychology? Shouldn't they be educated in the tradition of though? I'm just saying you're a right wing ad man. You're the new version of this ad man. Totally. You're reading Nietzsche. You are educating yourself in this stuff. So that's what they should be. But what I'm saying is, in the example that you used from the king, right? The king who's lifting up the barber jackets, right? And this is, you're saying he's taking something low and he's bringing it high because he understands the true hierarchy of the meaning yeah. behind these things, right? Instead of getting a jacket from, you know, the, the best jacket made by REI, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. he's doing this thing, right? He's saying, you're saying that he's recognizing the truth and the, the, the what's right in the hierarchy. Yeah. But the ad man doesn't represent the king. The ad man no. represents the barber. So, yeah. so yeah. how, what, how would, because we're stuck with the product, right? We're yep. stuck with whatever yep. product hires us. So how would we then translate well, you, you, that into hierarchy? Well, you should look to the hierarchy and the tradition and say, okay, how do you align as a company to this? Not, not just so I can fake it for you. 
but how, okay, how do you align to this rather than just cheating it? Because think about Ralph Lauren. Uh, how much yeah. of the materials really in alignment with the quality of what he he sort of robbed, which I would say, right? But we don't yeah. even go into the oh. details of it. No, oh, no, that. you're right. And that's okay if he had done it and actually realized what it was and say, oh, I'm going to be a producer of this English country wear. Yeah, and but instead I, he took the appearance of it without the soul of it, basically. Yeah, or right? understanding yeah. it. When he, in this quote, articulates it, he said, dress English, think Ashk. Yeah. Right? <laughs> which which, which the, the degeneracy of that idea, and there's nothing wrong, this isn't about Ashk thinking, this is about no, simply, no, it's, simply it's it means that you want to have the appearance of something but not be ordered virtuously with the, the order in which that comes from. And the English country wear... Uh, originally was uh, the folks wear. It was sort of uh, uh, homes like this, a homespun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's produced that has the value of the country and the country is not wild, but it's both wild and cultivated. So it has the value of the Englishman in it. The king saw it out there. It was useful for his sporting. There's something about it. It was, it suited the way of being. So he wore it and he, it, it, his other clothes didn't suit it. The Prince of Wales, these people, they started wearing this robust tweed because it suited the place. It's made of Cheviot wool. And so what a strange thing. And then all people start wearing this garment that's from the country. That becomes the highest thing. Think about it. Why do they always wear tweed? Why is Tolkien? Why is C.S. Lewis wearing tweed? Why is Ralph Lauren all these people? They've got this, what's this country thing? Because it's that. Or you just never look like that. The Parisians don't look like that. The Parisians yeah. are sort of right, feminine, naughty. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. They don't have this country wear. And so, They're yeah, you Celts, will understand. Right? Aren't, aren't the French Celts? Uh, some of them are. That's yeah. in the Brithionic, uh, what are they called? They're in uh, the north of France on the coast. They're yeah. Called, okay. They're so called uh, the Bre- Breton. Brittany, it's called. Yeah. They're Franks. Yeah. They're Franks and. Celts. I think and Franks Celts. are originally a sort of... Yeah, term. I don't know who the Franks are. I've never, I've never learned about where the Franks come from. But, um, yeah, okay, so um, I think that... It's, so I think a good example of what you're... A bad example of what you're talking about is t- talking about uh, thinking Ashk and Ashk is Ashkenazi and acting uh, you know, English or whatever it is. You know about the... Uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you heard yeah. about this whole thing? I don't know the story behind it. I just know it's someone that presented themselves as conservative and then did something. What happened? Yeah. I don't know. So this this guy, who I think actually is a, a legitimate veteran, I don't know exactly, but I think he did serve in the army. He started this uh, company called Black Rifle Coffee Company, which is like conservative coffee. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, like, like, what does that have to do with coffee? It has absolutely no. You know, it's it's perfect. It, it is a Black, Black Rifle Coffee Company is not a coffee company. It's a marketing company, and they just take whatever. Really? What, yeah. Oh, yeah. They just take whatever white label coffee they can get, right? And they like slather it with all this kind of, you know, uh, modern day white working class imagery, right? Like it's yeah. your truck and your gun and your, you know, all this stuff. But it, it and then it turned out when um, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, they have guns, guns, guns. And then Kyle Rittenhouse was getting, you know, thrown in jail, destroyed, whatever. And they yeah. came out like strongly against Kyle Rittenhouse, which was just like, yeah. oh my God. And then you find out that the guy is, you know, he's gay and he's, it's all the, oh. all the things that you would expect. So, you know, it's just complete rootlessness and it's complete, yes. um, 
it's just uh, occupying something. I, mm. I, I have a little bit of, I, I can't a hundred percent like it's since I just the, the words of hierarchy and things like that. But I think what I'm fi- following is um, the role of the ad man should be to do the reverse of that. The, the, yes. the role of the modern day ad man should be to take the truth of something and let that shine through yes. instead of painting the aesthetics of something on top of this just fake hollowed out thing. And actually the Montana piece that, that went super viral, a, a lot of it's, and it's actually, I'm, I'm super happy we're having this conversation. It was helping me to understand it. That's a lot about these private equity groups, these real estate investment trusts, REITs. They come into towns across America and said, so I've traveled, I've lived in places everywhere. I do a lot of traveling. And what you start to see is that there's these developments in town after town after town. And they have names called like the foundry and mm. like the old mill. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're supposed to be these hyper local places that are related to the truth of mm. San Antonio or the truth of, you know, Bozeman, Montana. Like, oh, it's the old paper mill or like whatever was there. Right. But they hollow these things out and they put yeah. these restaurants in there that are called like eat drinks, you know, eat, drink, play, you know, and, and are, are like, you know, coal and smoke. Yeah. And they'll, it'll be like, we've got a local Montana burger. And then you actually look into it and all the meat doesn't come from there. It tastes completely yeah. disgusting. It's just this like painted on crust of yeah. localism on something that's just feeding right back to New York or right back yeah. to wherever, right? So whatever the new branding is, is like, or the new the way that we can use propaganda in our favor is to, yeah, I guess like tell the truth about things to, to say, you know, this really is um, the nature of this thing. One of my favorite campaigns in recent history, the best one. And I feel like this was a, this was the last moment where there was still in the mainstream, like branding and marketing world, there was still a little bit of truth left, right? It was still like, mm. there were still people like me working in there that were like, let's tell the truth about this brand. Mm. It was called Dress Normal mm. and it was a gap campaign. And it just featured like, this was like maybe eight years ago. It just featured normal looking people wearing this very basic clothing and it was dress normal. You know, and it pissed off a ton of people because it was like, oh, this feels fascist. This feels very fascist because we're supposed to be, you know, normal. We don't want to be normal. We want to be weird. And, you know, like whatever all these things are that are supposedly, you know, make you an individual. Um, But I love that campaign because what it said to me was like, yeah, gap is closed for normal people. But, you know, and like, let's just be that, you know, let's let's own that thing that we are instead of trying to make ourselves into this, you know, thing that makes you really unique, which is like the opposite of what Gap is. And I think that that's also why Kanye went to work at Gap before he got kicked out. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And there's obviously a market opportunity there as well. So, yes, there is a driving force of market economics where companies are always driven towards not making their burger patties in America. But I think there's a concern like on, the, on the right wing side of things there's a deep opportunity in being the what the true rifle company was or should have been 
So surely there's a way to do that where you right. can still make profit and you're and, and the to be so for them. bold. Right. And to be yeah, so to be, bold. To be so bold that you're being yes. that you're offending everybody. Right. Yes. You're, you're the anchor. You're yeah, the guy that yeah. says, No, we know what the hierarchy is. Yeah. And right. we're gonna outrage you, and that's gonna obviously be cheaper for your marketing. That well. is exactly we'll what I'm trying to do. That that is that's literally ah, that's exactly genius. what I'm trying to do. Yeah, so and that's what based marketing means. Based marketing means uh that exact thing. And it like we just did a uh this one was kind of fucked up, but we just so there's this cigarette company called Hestia, and you know, cigarette companies have been made to just self-immolate. You you go you read the you open the Wall Street Journal in you know and you see a whole page advertisement from you know the CEO of Philip Morris and it'll basically be be like help us achieve a smoke-free future. Right. Yeah. So it's literally this guy who's a billion, you know, a billionaire, whatever he is from people smoking. And he's out there being like, we don't want you to smoke, even though he obviously does. Right. So it's just this heap of bullshit. Yeah. So cigarettes, you know, uh, the globalists, they hate cigarettes for some reason, because it's like the cigarettes are used for them. It's just like, oh, yeah, like you're bad. And maybe because they're from Virginia, you know, it's like they're yeah. it's exactly who they don't like. And then also they want you to just eat and stuff your face all the time, you know? Yeah. But cigarettes make it so you don't have to do that. So we just yeah. made a, a spec campaign for this kind of like based cigarette brand where the line was, uh, tastes as good as skinny feels. And it's all, like, <laughs> and it's all like, it's all yeah, like beautiful yeah. women, like beautiful, really skinny women, like smoking cigarettes. And the, the, the thing is like, Hey, use this to like not eat meals, which is like that drives globalists like completely. They can't think of anything more terrible than skipping a meal and having a cigarette. But that's exactly what we're saying. The thing is you need the brand who's willing to go there, you know, and, and that's what yeah. we're working on. And we, and we think we have this one client uh, who's called Hesse or we're working on getting them as a client who's like willing to, to go there. But I do think more and more, um, brands are kind of waking up to like, well, why, uh, why are we paying all these people to tell us to apologize all day again? And like, why? Mm. But yeah, we'll see. Big I think like, I think the key is also for you, uh, is you will, you are going to, if you can be a true understander of what the traditional, or not even necessarily traditional, yeah, traditional, whatever the being is of where you want, uh, what you really need to be this person that gets what, is authentically authentic American or Anglo-Saxon being, which has right. been destroyed, who really gets what's deep underneath. So it's not just my ads are about transgressing. It's about transgressing yeah. for the sake of, for the sake of, and then you become the true rifle company that, no, that is rifle. the yeah. true one that has this soul, but transgresses hardcore for that soul. And that's doable with BAP and all these people, you know, even people like me, people talking about English, all that, we can work this stuff out. Uh, and you, you know, you're already very knowledgeable about this sort of thing as well. So you, we're all getting closer to it, I think. Um, but that's genius that you are doing that. We're desperately needed. So it's not just a thing that has to happen. It's also, I think, you know, it's obviously an opportunity as well. Well, as I say, it's like in a world where art has been forced to become propaganda, we have to make propaganda art. Yeah. Like that's how, that's what we have to do because it's like their weak flank, you know, it's like they don't, they don't know how to really handle that, you know, yes. like, like, like commercial speech. They know how to buy off all the artists. They've been doing yeah. that forever, but they don't know how to 
stop Opened. the commercial people from making art. They don't know how to do that. You know, and that, that's that, right. That, that's, that's what a, and that's what a meme does, isn't it? It's that yeah. it opens a true being. Yeah. It's, yep. it's something in my being that I've felt and I haven't articulated. And boom, this meme comes up. I see it. And I say, yes, that's what I felt. And then I spread the meme. That's, yeah. and that's, so in, in, in a place where everything's a lie, the truth is way more propelling than some prop- heightened propaganda. So that's um, a great point. It's like truth gives you like uh, extra fuel, you know, in this world of just, yeah, the more the bullshit, the more bullshit they throw at you, the more truth is powerful. And, and that's, uh, yeah. All else being equal. So we also need to be very competent with, because uh, they've just such, they're so degenerate. They're so unconnected with true authentic American being that Star Wars and all these things are less effective because they're not connected with our true value hierarchy, yeah, right? Yeah. So it lowers. And, and what's happened is people are willing to jump on YouTube and watch Count Dankler just tell stories if it aligns yeah. with that, <laughs> right? They don't need the production value. But true, they're going ca- to they're they're catch on and they're going to lift and they're going to perhaps go a bit towards liberal because they were always degener- neoliberal degenerates. They just did it in a more coded way, so we still go, oh, I still enjoy this. But it's gotten so bad that there's an opportunity for us to get in there. Now we need to raise our competence, raise the production value as the money comes in, and people are willing to watch us. And and, uh, that now is the opportunity time where we can take it over, where we're edgy, but also edgy and anchored, I think. Well, and you're doing an amazing job with that, I think, with your aesthetics. And and you take aesthetics very seriously. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's, that's actually really great. Because, you know, you, you put a, uh, effort into your YouTube thumbnails, into your design and your naming conventions like Greenwood, which we should talk about in a second. Yeah. Uh, everything feels like we're in Sherwood Forest, which is, yeah. <laughs> which is great. You know, like I, I actually say this about branding and then let's actually talk about Greenwood for a second. But the first, you know what the first thing, uh, God asks man to do is in the Bible? Oh. Is name things. Mm. And then, then he says, once you name it, it goes to the soul of the thing. So it's mm. like, not only are you naming things, but the name becomes uh, like with the, uh, not the brand, but you know, the essence of the, of that thing. Yeah, and I opposite. think aesthetics is a very, very important part of that. It's because aesthetics is, is what you're saying. It's going to those lower levels of knowledge mm. that are, you know, BAPS, mm. like BAPS podcast, such an incredible aesthetic creation. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, like the funny noises he puts in the background yeah. that just play, yeah. like it's just such genius, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's, it, it goes to so much deeper than just whatever he's saying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, tell us about your aesthetics and tell us about, uh, what Greenwood is. Yeah. Well, Greenwood, even the word itself is deeply Anglo Saxon. Well, it's, yeah. It's something definitely. so, it's definitely. something, it just in its, uh, in the roots of the words, like green woodoo, it, it comes, it's, these are old Anglo Saxon words. Some of English is also romantic words, uh, and Latin words. So you've got, uh, you've in got the language. Yeah. All well, the German stuff. stuff is all, no, the German stuff is all Anglo Saxon. That, 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 that's, oh, okay. it's, but in every language, you'll have certain words like logos, which is Greek or whatever. But yeah, yeah. in in English, there's particularly there's a lot of French words like beef. Uh, cow is Anglo-Saxon. Beef is French because that's the thing you'd eat. Whereas cow yeah. is the raw thing connected to the earth. So when you say something that feels very simple and earthy, that's Anglo-Saxon. Football, right? It's very 
It's very, whereas it, it, French is it, sort of like dilettante. That's yeah. French, right? No, dude, also, we had, we had, I have, do you know Lou Templar? No, who's that? Oh, you have to follow you, Lou Templar, man. He is, he makes these like propaganda posters. He came on my podcast and said this exact same thing about, about French words versus you are used to sound sophisticated and Anglo words are like very short, right? And, and yeah. uh, if you want to sound very scientific and lofty, you use the Latin words like the junction, Latin, yeah. Yeah. junctional, yeah. participate, or all the ologies, right? Ology, anything. Ology, yeah. Uh, ology, yeah. I think that's, ology might be Greek, the ology part of it. Even so, Greek has a bit of a mystery to it. And these, so in <laughs> English, there are things that have an attunement. So French has kind of got a feminineness to it. It's yeah. art, it's yeah. feminine, it's whatever. Yeah. Like cigarette, like you know, it's yeah. it's like a yeah. whereas uh, yeah, the 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 scientific um you know uh, stuff you see all the papers and science words, all the things in science and academics always try to use the Latin words. You know when they try propagandize these academics, they're always using Latin words, Latin based roots, right? And so it feels impenetrable, and so that's the trouble. But anyway, this isn't really the Greenwood project. It sort of is in the sense it's getting to the root of what our being is. So that involves America as well. So I'm, I've got a lot of Americans in my membership, but it's what is the fundamental root? Where does it come from? Where is it nested? Like in the mythos and the law, because that's beneath, that's in the unconscious, right? It's something behind what we see in our everydayness is this authentic being underneath. Because in the modern mindset, we're driven towards everything is human made. We're off these particular material goals. But underneath that, there is an authentic folk being that, nest, that nested everything. It's Robin Hood. It's mythos. Mythos isn't just some stupid story. There's something behind all that that pushed it. That as the ex, it's the expression again. Say Robin Hood, the narratives. These were folk ballads. They just emerged from the people themselves. They're, they're anonymous, right? And they sung them in pubs together. All across England, people imitated. They played Robin Hood folk plays. And the king folk plays, right? And all the villages, the parish uh, priests, they paid for them. They paid for these, these things. And at a certain point of time, Robin Hood suddenly just took over all these. That's the main character of all these folk plays. This is every village pretty much in England started this in sort of 1400s. What the hell's going on there? And so there's something behind in the folk being it's, as a hyper agent, you could call it, as a, as a distributed cognition between everyone. Cognitive scientists are talking about this now. It's not woo or anything. There's a being, beings, hyper agents form between us. Angels are real in the sense that they're distributed over all of us. That the church, the, the body of Christ is the church. The spirit of Christ is behind that, behind the body, right? So this symbolic way of thinking, ancient way of thinking, was the way, was much more efficient as describing the kind of complex phenomena we now see manifesting with the internet. The ancients got it in their symbolic understanding. So the woke egregore, people call the woke thing a parasite. That's a being. It, it, people are getting that. There's something going on here. It's connected. It has a feedback loop. It what is an egregore? Up. What does that mean, an egregore? I see people use that word. A better word would, to be called it would be what the cognitive scientists are now using, which is hyper-agent. An agent, egregore is a mythological, uh, it's, I think it's from, it's from uh, Jew, Jewish Judaism. It's like a demon. It's like a fallen angel. But yeah. using cognitive science, an agent is a higher order thing that moves towards an outcome, but it can feed back from its environment and alter its procedures, its way of doing uh, in, real, in real time. It can alter it 
to achieve that outcome based on what's occurring. That's agency. Hyper means over and above. So it's between all of us. It's the we space between all of us. So that's what a god is. That's, you know, uh, Odin, Thor, these things. They're really yeah. unconscious. They're connected between everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're so, hyper so she, agents. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And they feed back to themselves, you see. Yeah. And the ancients got this. That's why the, every city has an angel, basically. Uh, again, Jonathan Pajot is, is constantly articulating this when, when he talks about it. But these things, people are becoming aware, okay, Cognitive scientists have things like emergence, dynamic systems theory to describe these these things. So we're now the language, or sorry, the research of uh, modern research is becoming able to describe things that the ancients have always had ways of talking about. But how does that relate to my work? It's understanding those things. What's deep in our being that are that have been uh, pasted over by rationalism, pasted over by like you were talking about with America earlier. That propositional layer is pasted over it, the scientific meta-narrative. What's underneath that survived of our tradition that's going to be our deep anchor as that meta-narrative uh, is falling away? There is something rooted in this that's, that's true, that isn't semblance, that we can look to uh, and engage with that explains who we really are. But it's in us. It's in our past. Like, your past is not just something that's past. It's in your having been. History is pulled along. As we go, as we, as we go, it's not just, it's in our unconscious, right? So you can, it's a cultural archaeology. That's what Greenwood is. It's an archaeology into our soul to articulate it. So you can have, like we mentioned earlier, you can have that propositional layer align with what's deeply in our being. That's what the whole project is. I call it now the ground of descent. It's to ground descent and it's essential ground. What's the essence? It's kind of Dugan-like, if you know who Dugan is. Yeah. Though it's not influenced by him at all. You mean I'm Alexander Dugan? Yeah, I'm not a Duganist, yeah. though. I'm just saying yeah. it's he's what he did for Russia, I was, I'm was i already doing for the Anglo-Saxon English people. But I, yeah. it's not influenced by him at all. We, we talk about Dugan. We talk about Dugan. I've read Fourth Political Theory, and I'm, I'm with him, man. I mean, I totally uh, – I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm a Duganist, but I, I definitely understand what you're saying in that. You're saying grounding – uh, I mean, so Dugan's whole thing in fourth political theory, the reason it's called fourth political theory is because the three political theories, the first three, are liberalism, uh, communism, and fascism. And the central idea of each of those things is liberalism's the individual, communism's class, and fascism is, I think, uh, the people or the, maybe it's either the patria or the, um, something, the nation itself, I forget. But um, <clears throat> the the core subject of each of those things is that. But all of those things lost out, right? They are, you know, the two, the latter two were defeated by liberalism. That's basically what happened in the 20th century. So his thing is, what is the f- next thing? What's the fourth thing, right? Well, how can we structure around this next thing? And the next thing that he says is the decene, which is, I guess, a Heidegger term, that also mm-hmm. comes from Nietzsche originally. That means like the person, the person in being. Bob says that. That's not true. Well, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Does Bob say that? I, <laughs> I just I saw that the other day. I don't know. That that's true. But um, you know what? What is the decene? It means the person that, in the world, right? It's like the, it means the the openness to existential bubble that you are. Openness being uh, das. They should never have used fine. the German word. Das sign. Sign is being, right? So the yeah. being that you are, but. Da is the, the this. So what the this means is the here and yonder. 
It's yeah, the openness right. between, that's what, so it just means openness being that you are. So you have a bubble, your cognition reaches out from itself. You're not just in your body. Yes. Your yes. being is actually, when you look at the church in the distance, that's your being yeah. as well. Your cognition's touching all of it. So you're not just the subject object. It's more, it's more than that. It's the yeah. openness being. That's yeah, what yeah. Dasein really means. But because right. when you read the original German, Dasein's just that. Yeah. The tra translators made it, so it has this mystery to it. Um, yeah, so what he's talking about is the ground of that. What is the ground of this being? Because uh, the, the openness being that we are, I haven't read Fourth Political Theory, but I have read his Heidegger book. Yeah. Um, but the being that we are is grounded in something because metaphysics means like fists. You talked to an Athenian stranger recently about sort yeah. of stuff like this. Physis is where meta comes from. Metaphysics, what we are, the openness, is the meta above that, essentially. It's the sending of physis to yeah, us. Yeah, That's what yeah. knowledge is, the sending of physis. So right. what it's Heidegger the thing does... That's underneath. Well, it's like the layer that... We, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into Kant, but it's like the layer that speaks to the tangible layer, right? Kind yeah, of? so, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. quick, wait, no, no, you're, you're, I think you're on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, we, we see everything as beings, things, right? Everything has a category in its object. Behind that yeah. is being yeah. itself pre-category. Yeah. So right, what happened right. was, that's physics, really. That, what happened was, over time, is we began categorizing things. And then the way the world presences then is, is beings as a whole. It's the things all added together. That's what's present at hand. It's meaning it's lost its uh, meaning and its being because what's behind that is the this, which is everything that isn't beings though. Does that make sense? It's not categorized. It's, it's, it's with beyond with the Greeks when they first started necessarily sufficient condition, when they first started categorizing things, before that, things cleared themselves. If that makes things came out of being like gods or what they had these ca categories that were sort of primordial again this is before you have a word uh, a word for cross it's before you have does that make sense you yeah, yeah. yeah have categories for these objects so right. then yeah that, that's what metaphysics is heidegger's trying to get you back to the ground of that being mm -hmm. so dugan is like that so what's the ground of this being of what the russian is so, is sort of what he's doing, but I think his political theory, I haven't read fourth political theory, but I, what my guess would be it's pluralist. He's saying that we all have these different Daseins, uh, they're based on different languages. And, and they they you're, I mean, it's very much along the lines of what you're saying. It's that your, your, uh, being of your people is tied to not just the individual, but to this, deeper connection to the you know the 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 soil and the tradition and the um the these kind of metaphysical ties that you're talking about and and that that's really what a state should be built around is that oh, and it, yeah. not not around obviously not around class and and yeah. not around the individual because the individual we see the horrors that that now gets mm. us right where the, you know, the individualism is globalism where you're a hundred percent free as long as you're in your house by yourself. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> free to do like, what we tell you. You're free yeah. to do what we tell you in your house yeah. on your own, jerking yeah. off. But you can, you know, you can jerk off to whatever you want, you know, but as long as you just don't touch anybody else or do anything else, you know, yeah. outside of your house. Um, 
So uh, I think that that's why I was really attracted to it. Actually, I was really attracted to Dugan's ideas because I was like, well, you know, it's kind of true that um, each of these frameworks didn't really work. So what can we build something around that's that's deeper than that, I guess, you know, deeper than just individualism. And it has to be grounded. It has to be. That's these right. bonds. Uh, we're realizing that now. I just had Aura McIntyre on my show. We yeah. talked about this. Awesome. We talked a bit about. We had a, uh, talked a bit about that. What grounded Americans are. The founding fathers. Some of them got it. Some of them weren't full on the Federalists, like we said. That they realized we shouldn't put these rights on a piece of paper, should we? They some yeah. of them felt and said they felt this. Some of them had a sense of it. So they had an instinct, even though they had the French hyper. I hate the Frenchness. I think everything that. Uh, stuffed America was that sort of French revolutionary stuff, even though some of it came from Locke, and I get it, but originally, but um, yeah, it's that. But yeah, Dugan, if you think about it, when he says, if you mentioned the soil there, think about Heidegger. He go, Heidegger has a book where he goes out to Greece to try see if the metaphysical, which is the meta above physis, we talked about before, above beings, but not beings as a whole, it's the sending of the ground, right? Because that's what a human is. Where the void in beings, or the void in being for being itself, which is knowledge, is thump, we're this. So our essence is sort of not, nothingness, if that makes sense. Is that being, think about physics, everything, what's behind the, the stuff that you see is that of, as being. And we, as, as whatever being that we are, have this thing that allows us to have that, if that makes sense. And we have, that's our knowing of being. So it's not really ours. And you can connect that a bit to the landscape. And Heidegger went out to Greece. He talks about how this, this physis of the different temples, Poseidon's temple, had the attunement, had this old attunement for all these ideas that he was thinking, trying to go back to original Greece, trying to understand it. But he felt it when he went to the temples, when the tourists weren't there, it aligned with his ideas of it. It, it had the right attunement. So what that means is, is that being or Dasein or this openness being that we are, a folk being, is connected to land in the sense that yep. land, land over centuries drifts into being, doesn't it? We're, we're, oh, we're yeah. interacting with it. We're uh, doing whatever we're doing in America, whatever, wherever it is, England. It comes into being over hundreds of years because physics, we're meta, it's physics. We are metaphysics, but it's ground. Is that Greece? Is that temple? So its pattern is in us in some sense, right? In our soul. That's not just a silly mystery thing. It's true when you think about it. So it's, and that's embedded in procedural knowing, in the respectable and participatory. That's what keeps people grounded. So that's what I think we need to be looking for, not this mental illness we're in. Does that make sense? What I said there? Definitely. Definitely. I think, um, you know, you can use also the metaphors of the elements. And I think it's funny that you keep talking about grounded, grounded, grounded. Like we're in a, we're in a era of completely out of control air, right? Did we talk about this before? Everything is is air, like on the air, you know, uh, air, everything is coming to us through the air. It's the internet mm. and, you know, we're in, uh, air is, uh, the, the sins of air are gossip and lies and things you can verbalize and, you know, and, um, what's the cure to air? The cure to air is earth, right? I mean, mm. earth controls air and water, right? 
And what you're talking about is grounding. What's the word that we use for all of us is based. Yeah. <laughs> base yes. is like, yeah. you know, like it's like earth. Like that's what we need. Like base is like the cure to all this of this try to control air. Yeah. But this is true philosophically is that you're saying air, air, air. That's what's the problem is that we've attributed being to ourselves, which is just air. It's whether nothing, like I said, whether that's yes. a part yeah. of it. We yeah. attributed us to that. Or well, we're responsible for being. This world has to relate to us, but it's more than that, isn't it? We participate in it. So the solution is earth, the base, yeah. gods, telos in a grand teleology, what, right? Something, and that's being itself, is that being was a gift from something. It's not like, it's something, whatever you want to think about, something emergent. We, we, we didn't make this thing. And it's, it's the original person that gives form to, to, because there's, Heidegger talks about the fourfold, which can be related to Aristotle's four causes, right? He changes it up a bit. Is that there's earth, air, gods, and men. Men is the is the meta part. We contribute. We name stuff, like you said about God earlier. We name, but also the thing that clears first, the being itself. We're not the source. The source is the ground, but it's the nothing. It's the nothing, which Heidegger calls the nothing. But earth, like you're saying, based right. But it's also the overarching telos, the context this all fits in, the narrative order. Like the king, I talked about. That's the hierarchy. It's the king. It's the but above him, it's God. Right. That's what gives things meaning. And we've, what's the meaning crisis? Things have been dissolved with meaning. It's because we've attributed it all to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's what utilitarianism is. That's what uh, materialism is. It's, oh, it's, well, materialism is particularly, oh, everything is just earth. That's if you say we're nothing but that's, and then now we've come to, then we get to sort of a subjective, everything is us, and then will to power, Nietzsche, that's interesting. our will. Yeah. And I think so, of materialism as like just earth, like everything is just, yeah, it's, it's all, that's funny. Yeah. 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 And so if you have all four together, yeah. th then you, everything is lush with being and energy. <laughs> you know, right. That makes sense. But what you're saying is true. I think we're on the same wavelength here. No, definitely. Um, definitely. So, but what actually is it, to bring it down to earth? What actually is Greenwood? Wait, like, wait, is there a website? Oh. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, just go. You can just go to my YouTube, YouTube uh, slash Scott Manion M A W N I O N or Greenwood dot Media. will bring up my website. Okay, it's got my project media. goals there. Yeah. You can watch a video that says basically what is Greenwood. Tells well, you. Well, I know, but that, that's very long. It's a very long video. So what I want to know is oh, what is branding. It? Maybe you need it's, some I know. branding up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Greenwood whoa. is essentially finding that essential ground to rearticulate. What yeah. is fundamental to what our virtues and values are? Because you know when people list the value propositions of, oh, the values of America are this. It's just bullshit. It's just a pasted over thing. This is going to the ground, going to the mythos, Robin Hood and our greatest heroes to find out what they really are, what's in our unconscious and articulate But what is it? You're saying you have members, right? So there's, there's members. Oh, right. What, so what, the what actual pro the product... Oh, the product is, is, is a content, it's a content business at the moment, but it's also research behind that. So the product is essentially content that does that. It looks into the mythos. I talk about it. I do a story and then I articulate, like I've sort of done today, <coughs> what grounds it? What's the sort of, uh, what are the values in it? Sort of like when you see what Peterson does a, uh, did some biblical story. I do it, but better <laughs> and, uh, not just scientifically. So I do some of that. And so I bring it to bear and I say, what are some current behaviors that align with this mythos? And what that does for people is they report, it makes them understand. They say it's something that they uh, always knew, but didn't have the words for similar sort of thing. Does that make sense? That's the content I make. I, 
yeah, tell a so story. Yeah, so content so far, but do you have plans for other, you know, it, like when somebody becomes a member, are they, right now they're getting content, I'm sure, but are they going to eventually get, I don't know. Yeah, some so it's, it, it, that evolves into a membership club. So yeah. you can think uh, that's how it grows, right? So it's everyone participating in this sort of thing, but also, uh, you know, hopefully making content of their own. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right? But yeah, that's, that's eventually that's the plan. That's where it goes. So it's, it's essentially for the people that participate on that element, that side of it, a members club, uh, basically like a high Tory, uh, members club that's grounded in what we truly are, uh, and tr- converting people to that, I suppose. Um, so. Yeah, it's moving towards an in-person thing eventually, but also it's research to make sure I'm right about what the ground of this stuff is. So building a vanguard community, which I call Metalore Lab, building a vanguard of really talented people together, which makes sure I'm right about this theory, right? Because that's the work I've been doing. So it's a content business, it's that, and moving towards an in-person membership club. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So also it's kind of um, also teaching people how to teach it as well teaching people this so they can teach it and show it to others so it's showing yeah it's mostly content in that sense but giving people the tools so they can go back and say oh this is why i like a monarchy because this is what it truly is and that's what people report who are in the membership of it and it's a place for them have also that are in the membership say oh finally i'm at a place that i can be with my peers that's that's what i've seen people say right people are searching for a space like this where they can articulate the truth or, and find the words to articulate it to each, to each other. So that's what we need to do from the ground up to build a network where people can have a club. Yeah. They talk about these things, participate on the local. So yes, I'm doing the content thing, but I'm, I'm going to use that as a recruiting ground for other people to join the media company. The best people that are in the community posting memes, that sort of thing. I've already got two people that have started content. One of the guys has a pipe smoking podcast and that's already got <laughs> thousands of members, right? So that's uh, one person nice. that it's working on. And so they just smoke pipes and they are doing, uh, you know, uh, talking about that way of life. And people are interested in pipe smoking at the moment. So that's one, one uh, person. That's the idea, right? So educating in this, this ground of it. I'm learning at the same time as well. I'm not some grand seer. No, uh, totally. But, have have yeah. you talked to um, Bennett's Flactory, you know, Exit, the Exit group? Uh, no, who's that? Yeah, you should. You, I'll, I'll intro you to him uh, if you're open to it. He he's creating very similar thing, uh, which yeah. is like guys getting together and kind of building an infrastructure. Uh, he's a big, huge Twitter account. He's got like sixty thousand followers. He got he was a prior episode. He got canceled. He had a very fancy mm-hmm. job and got like canceled. Um, yeah. And he basically turned it around and created one of these communities, exactly like you're saying, to kind of like come together, have a private group, but it's also content. So I think a lot of people are, are figuring out uh, how to do this in a, in a cool way. Justin Murphy kind of has one of these, I think. I don't know if you've come across him, but um, cool, no, man. It, well, wait, the sorry. thing that's about this, though, is that it's, it's two things. It's like a deeply philosophical project. It's a research project. That yeah. gives the ammo to that, the content, and then the club as well, right? So it's not just a membership club. It's bringing people in that are PhDs and such that I'm now working with to properly articulate what our being is. It's both. So it's yeah. not just a club. It's, it's something grand theoretically as well at the same time. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, of course, of course. I was just thinking, like, literally, like, what are the actual yeah. elements? What are they getting that? for it? What are, what, yeah. What's the actual progression? Well, or just, like, what is the structure? You know, what, what is yeah. the actual? Um, are, were you really banned in the CCP? I see that under... Oh, yeah, that's an article that Polygon um, had where the Chinese uh, government got my film banned from Steam because it was, uh, yeah, so... Because yeah, why? I don't know. I emailed the Chinese. I mean, I was drumming it. I was drumming it up because I wanted it to be a story. It, got rem- it was initially available in the China App Store, and that was removed. I don't know. It's the communist symbols, right? It doesn't have any Chinese, anything about it. But as soon as I found that out, of course, I went, sweet. I'm using this as a story. And then, of course, I got that in the narrative, and I emailed the Chinese party, uh, whatever, embassy, saying, why has this been removed? But I wanted their reply, so I could use it. But anyway, I got an article in Polygon. But it was. It was removed from the App Store. So, which one was CCU. that? What was the Defector? It? The Defector, which That's is right. a. Uh, it's. I, I, I don't want to ruin the movie for people, but it's a Cold War drama. Let's just say it's a Cold War drama set in 1967 about the Prime Minister being uh, uh, who disappeared without a trace. Um, and I don't want to ruin where it goes. So let's just say it's that. But it's great. It's high production value. I had Oscar winners on the project that, that I led. It's. Um, you made so it. Yeah, I directed this movie. Oh, you can watch it. It's on, available how do I online. Not, I don't see this anywhere. Where, where? Just, yeah, it's, it's available on Vimeo. You can watch uh, Vimeo. What's it called? The Defector. The Defector movie. And oh, on IMDb, cool. you can see that's there under my credits. That's what I'm more proud of that than anything else I've done. The drama and stuff. So oh. anyway, watch it. I don't want to ruin it for you. But yeah, it's very high production value. It's of course it has to be if you're going to set something in the '60s. But uh, yeah. There's um, one that comes up that's this. Oh, here we go. Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, you can see by the poster how what level it is. Oh, nice. And Very enjoy cool. enjoy that movie. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll put this. Yeah, I should watch this and and uh, talk about it. But um, cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming by. Um, this was great. I love I love getting deep on these things. I, and I, you know, talking to you really gives. Uh, I think a lot of hope about, you know, the importance of all the things that are going on beneath the surface that are, they're sometimes hard to remember that they're there, you know, Mm. or you're very in tune with like the meaning behind these things. And that's, Mm. that's great. It's just very refreshing to hear all that. Well, yeah, it makes it, we're made to think that we're just, we still buy into the liberal idea that we're blank slates. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we're not, we're not. And there's been evidence for that. So what are we? Right. work yeah they want us to fill these blank slates with like clicks you know like we are i am the things that i click on that's me yeah. you know like i am my interests yeah and that's so not true like we're actually all of these other really complicated things and i think that mm-hmm. you're getting to the core of that which is awesome well yeah you need to spend your life work uh digging into your unconscious digging into your fo- where you come from and then but it's down there authentically. It, it, that's what people need to remember is that yeah. it's not just this, it's not just looking into history. No, you're actually opening possibilities that are underneath there that have been, uh, you know, propagandized on the top. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. All right, dude. God well, bless. thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, man. I can't wait.